Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, DP Sidhu. I missed you last week with the bye week because it was a shortened week, so we did not get players uh, one-on-one the way we usually do because they were sort of out of here after Tuesday. We got assistant coaches, and then obviously with no game, I didn't get an opposing beat writer. So hopefully you got to catch up on some of the previous Deep Slant Podcasts. And if you get a chance, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher, you can leave a review uh, we're back this week. It's week 11 up at Washington, 6-3, six and six-game winning streak, and hope to keep it rolling. We're going to meet Sharice Wright, cornerback for the Houston Texans. He wears number 43. New to Houston, not new to the NFL. He's got some interesting connections with a player that was formerly on this team. And then we catch up with the Redskins.com writer, personality, I guess, insider, uh, Jake Kring Schreifels, he gives us some insight on that team and how they got to 6-3 and three and, and what it has taken them to get there so far, as well as a lot of the new additions between Alex Smith, Adrian Peterson, and then how DJ Swearinger, former Texan, is doing up there. But first, Bose, the Houston Texans, they rely on Bose Quiet Comfort 35 headphones to block out all distractions and noise and screaming fans. Uh, the powerful noise-canceling technology can help you do the same. You can concentrate on your music, your work, Whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're working on, the QC35 Wireless Headphones 2, you can learn more at Bose.com slash Texans. Bose, the exclusive sound of the Houston Texans. And then also check out Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers, 12 locations with three new locations opening soon, Fulshire, Kingwood, and Porter. Their new food truck is custom designed to bring you steak burgers, fries, and frozen custard, everything you love to your event. I know my kids have birthday parties. I would love to have a frozen custard truck just come feed the kids and then just leave with the trash and the remnants of the food. And then you just go inside and you continue your party. That would be great. Uh, Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers. Be sure to check it out. Freddy's original double steak burger is a real game changer. All right, let's get into the podcast. Sharice Wright, like I said, wears number 43. He arrived here after week one and he's played some games for the Texans. He was banged up a little bit, continued to play, did some nice things on special teams. Um, he had a, a great play in that Denver game. He was back for that and uh, we hope to see a lot more of him in the future. He had some interesting things to say about his college career. We'll get into that. That's coming up right now. Sharice Wright on the Deep Slam Podcast. Sharice, the first time I've actually had a chance to sit down. First of all, welcome to Houston. I know you've been here for a few weeks now. Uh, how's it been for you this, this season so far? It's been good. It's been good. Um, it's been a good transition for me. So uh, my teammates did a good job helping me uh, get comfortable and get, get – uh, Acumated, so your first season with the Texans, but you're not new to the NFL. It's your eighth season in the NFL, so you're kind of like a wily veteran. How much did having that all that previous experience sort of help that transition into this defense for you? Um, it helped a lot. Just um, being able to play in different defense, de- defenses since I've been in the league, and just it just came down to terminology, just trying to learn the, the language that that Houston speak, the defense speaks. So that was like, the biggest thing. But it's still football at the end of the day. All right, you got a lot of. Experience in the entire defensive backs group between Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, Tyron Matthew, yourself. How have you liked that DB room so far? It's full of a lot of fun personalities. Yeah, it seems like we got a lot of I got, we got a lot of characters in the room for sure. <laughs> so a, a lot of different, it. yeah, a lot of different characters. But it's a good vibe for sure, man. It's a good vibe. I like it. I imagine you've been watching a lot of these players throughout your time in the league because you've all sort of been in the league together. But anybody's personality really surprised you once you got to know them up close? Um, yeah, I mean, Kareem is like, he's a, he's a funny guy. You don't really expect, I didn't really expect him to be like a comedian and not, not a comedian in a sense, but he, he, he has, yeah, comedian, he definitely right? does. He got KJAC <laughs> TV going on. He does. Um, 
All right, you've been an important part of this defense when injuries hit. And Anthony Midget, the, the secondary coach, he said that you played with, with some stuff going on yourself, but you've right. been out there. When you come into a new team and then you have to step in sometimes in the middle of a game, sometimes when you're not prepared to or when you're not expected to, but because of injuries that you have to step in, what's the toughest part of that? And how much does having that experience sort of help you stay ready all the time? Um, The most important part of that is just staying prepared during the week and, you know, making sure you take those mental reps, um, being prepared for that, that situation. Me being a veteran guy, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I was brought here to be able to do things like that and have the experience of playing football and being a starter for a few, for years in this league. And um, like you said, the, the hardest part is to stand prepared in, in between before the game actually gets here to stay in tune and prepare like you're going to start. So when those times come, you know, you just got to be got to be ready to go. You talk about your path here a little bit. You spent four seasons with the Chargers, two with Baltimore. Last year you were with the Bills. Um, so general manager Brian Gain, he was with the Bills last year. What was your relationship like with him there? How much did you interact with him? And, and were you surprised when you got the call that he wanted you to come to Houston? Um, yeah, we, we spoke a few times in, in, in Buffalo. I didn't know how he felt about me as a player. We never really discussed. Know. I didn't know that. Um, but when my agent called me, he you know told me who it was. I remember seeing him around the building um, a few times when I was in Buffalo. But we didn't really have too much interaction. But obviously he knew who I was and. He knew the type of player I was. So I imagine that feels good as a player that you've played for somebody before that you've not really interacted with too much, but then they move to a different team, and then they want you to be a part of that new system as right. well. Right. That's a lot about him. I mean, just because we didn't interact, he, he knew who I was, and he, he watches everything. He's at every practice, and he's always watching us, and he's in the meeting rooms and sometimes. So, you know, he, he knows what type of guys he likes, and you know, I guess I was one of them. So you've been a part of a lot of different locker rooms. What really stands out to you about this particular locker room? I know we've talked to Demarius Thomas about it as well, but I'm always interested when players come from other teams when they when they step into this building. Just a um, tight knit group of guys who work hard consistently. Guys who have each other's back. You know, it's one of those locker rooms where everybody's really supportive of each other in, in the locker room, and um, it's it's a good vibe for sure. Bill O'Brien always talks about special teams, how important special teams are, and, and you've done some. You've done a lot of things on special teams throughout your career. What have you thought about how this special teams unit has done under Brad Seely and Tracy Smith? From what I've been hearing, and it's, it's been a, a whole different special team unit. It's um, been an uphill climb for a, special yeah, teams for this definitely, franchise. Definitely, but uh, I feel like Coach he does a good job preparing us, getting us ready. Um, um, you know, and these guys who you know, there's there's t- players here who are committed to special teams and. They take it serious here, and um, I, I hear some guys say, "Man, I never seen a team, you know, spend so much time on special teams." But it's vital to to our success, and it's important. So, and you said it's a lot of guys that are committed to to playing special teams and take pride in and being a good special team. Yeah, unit, I was. So I was going to say, it really does seem right. like from some of the players I've talked to, Brennan Scarlett, Johnson, Batamosi, like it's almost a source of pride being on special teams and how well the special teams have performed every single week. Is that different from what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to get guys to really buy in. Everybody feels like they should be starting on defense or starting on offense. It's hard to get guys to, to buy in and, and, and to play special teams. But it just says a lot about the guys here, just knowing what their role is on this team and playing their role to the best of their abilities, which, you know, helps us become like a great team, not just like a bunch of individual players. 
I was looking back at your past. You attended USC around the time of Pete Carroll. Brian Cushing was also there at the right. same time. You guys were part of the same defense. Yes. How well did you know him, and did you ever keep in touch with him once he entered the league? Um, yeah, definitely. He 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 would come down to SC when he first got into the league. I remember him taking some classes, uh, seeing him in class a few times like when he after first he got graduated? after he graduated. And I'm looking at him like, dude, what are you doing? Here? <laughs> <Where> but. Are you? <laughs> but uh, but, yeah, we definitely – I've talked to him since I got here. He reached out to me when he heard that I was going to sign here. He reached out to me and, you know, let me know if, if I needed anything. Um, let him know, and he's here for me. And uh, But, yeah, we did have a pretty good relationship. We we were there together for three years So at SC. So. That's really cool. I was going to ask you if once you got here if you kept in touch with him, but it seems like that Trojan family is pretty tight-knit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we like to keep in touch. It's a lot of us in the league, so, um, you know, we like to support each other. I was reading about your – college career and i read that you had a hairline fracture in your neck in oh, the 2008 yeah. season my c5 vertebrae i fractured it how scary was that it was uh it was pretty scary it was i didn't know for a whole week that my neck was broke um i thought it was just like a crook in my neck so i was like walking around like, like oh my like neck is very like, stiff for like a whole week and um we finally found out that it was fractured and i missed the whole season the hardest thing was coming back and like tackling somebody again and hitting somebody again that was like because you're unsure yeah, if you it's just, healed yeah and just you know just knowing that you can break your neck you know just how, how did you do do you remember the play that you did yeah on? i'll never forget i'll never forget that play it was um it was a the quarterback 12 throw prior actually we were playing ohio state and he uh scrambled out of the pocket and uh, i went to make the tackle and the receiver pushed me in my back and Everson Griffin was coming from like inside pursuit and we know how big Everson Griffin and Terrell Price. So I kinda took the whole, you know, hit from both of them colliding and my head was up and yeah. Did you finish the game? Uh no, I played like two plays after that and um And they I, took you I, out. I had to come out. I I couldn't I couldn't move anymore. My neck just started getting real tight and So you find out that you so, fractured your, your vertebrae since then? Has that was what have you learned from that experience? I'd imagine that's probably like the scariest injury you've had throughout your career. Right, right. It, it's probably been the worst injury that I've had so far. To be able to come back from that, I mean, as such a young player, you right. know, how do you have the strength to come back from something like that and have the confidence that you can play through it and, and come back? To oh man, just NFL? courage, just having courage and just you know having faith that you know I'm gonna be all right. I was, I had to wear a neck brace for about three months and. You know, it took a long time for me, like I said, to really feel comfortable tackling or throwing my body in there. And I was always a physical corner, always a corner that I liked to hit and liked to tackle. So, and like I said, my last year in college, I probably had like 70 tackles. I was like third on the team in tackles. So I just kind of had to forget about it a little bit and just, you know, just believe that I'll be all right. Well, you are, and, and this many years later, you're still in the NFL making a name for yourself. When you describe your style of play to people that aren't familiar with you, how do you describe it? I'm just a scrappy, tough, I'm going to play hard, I'm going to compete. You know, I'm, I'm going to compete, so. Good stuff. Sharice Wright on Texans Radio. Thanks so much, Sharice. Yeah, thank you. Great to hear from Sharice Wright. Had not really talked to him at all since he arrived here. Had seen him in the locker room, seen him on the field, obviously. He's done some nice things on special teams, and I know that Bill O'Brien and staff think very highly of of how he's played so far. He's been banged up as well, he's, but he stepped in when there's been a lot of injuries in the secondary. Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson's had had to move around, Kevin Johnson's been out, and Sharice has, has filled in nicely considering he wasn't here the offseason, and he caught up really well and, and has been able to step in for games and step in during games as well, and hopefully we see a lot more of him uh, for the rest of the season. He's been doing some nice things on both special teams as well.
All right, let's get into Sunday's matchup, 6-3 and three Washington versus the 6-3 and three Texans. Uh, they're atop their division. Texans are atop their division. They're coming off a big win in Tampa Bay. Uh, that defense is something else. They lead the league in turnovers. And we caught up with Jake Kring Schreifels, who writes for Redskins.com, and, and sort of got to find out the state of Washington, how they got to 6-3, and three, and what their season has looked like so far, especially with new additions, Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson. Take a listen. Yeah, let's talk about Sunday's matchup. It's a rather exciting one. Both teams at 6-3 and three in Washington appeared to bounce back at Tampa Bay with that win after their loss to Atlanta. What's sort of the state of things in Washington right now with that team? Is it about where everyone expected it to be? A lot of changes in the offseason happened, but where are they now relative to how the season has gone? You know, I think it's funny because a lot of people, if you took the temperature right now of the fan base, it doesn't feel that great for a six and three first place team in the NFC East. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Redskins have won games in not exactly exciting fashion. They've been able to squeak out a lot of games at the last minute, um, a lot of big fourth quarter stands and last drive stands. And when you look at last last week's game against Tampa Bay, they give up 501 yards, but they hold the Bucks to three points. And so it's just a very strange way to win games when you feel like you should be possibly losing some of these games, but you end up winning. So I think right now a lot of fans are excited. Look, they're in first place. This is a team that um, has a lot of good parts to it that, that still feels like it can improve in a lot of areas. And Alex Smith hasn't been turning the ball over. There's a lot of different ways that they've been winning games. It just hasn't been the way that a lot of people probably want them to. So I think overall... There's a lot of improvement that I think both the coaching staff and players still feel there is to be made. I saw some of the comments about the fans there at FedEx Field and and not being really excited. What what are you expecting for Sunday's game with the Texans? You know, I have a feeling that they're going to come out a little bit stronger this game. I think it does kind of uh, impact you when when you hear players discussing the fans. And and I I think – for their perspective, they want to show out for these players too. I think they realize they've got a first place team, as I mentioned. And so when there is some frustration in that you hear, I think it probably will energize them a little bit more. I don't, I don't think fans are, uh, you know, too disillusioned by the fact that, yeah, the Redskins haven't had a huge winning culture for the last 20 years. And so naturally I think it's just frustrating when, you know, players go out there and they don't necessarily feel the same kind of support that they expect. But I, I do think that this will be a more raucous environment. And it has really been this season. I would say that Cowboys game a couple of weeks ago was a really great environment at FedEx Field. And even um, even the last game, too, I, I just feel like they're, they're starting to make improvements. And so I, I do think it'll be a little bit more energized than usual. Well, one big playmaker that everyone's talking about, even here in Houston, the, the Texans had practice on Monday, is Adrian Peterson. He signed this offseason. He's really become a weapon in that offense. 672 yards rushing, four rushing touchdowns, plus 168 yards receiving and a touchdown there. He's already surpassed his numbers if you even combine the past two seasons. Uh, and he's he looks like he's on pace for 1,000 yards rushing what does Adrian Peterson say is the reason for his success this year and this many years in the league? You know, I, I feel like a lot of people started to ask him early on about the doubters and the chip on his shoulder. And I think that certainly has played a part into really just rebranding who he was. I think last year was just two situations that didn't really fit him as a runner. And, you know, he started to get a little bit of life with the Arizona Cardinals last year, but 
you know, then he had the injury and it just, it never really worked out for him. Never felt like he was home. I think first and foremost, he comes to a team that he's already pretty familiar with. He's been practicing with the offensive alignment for the Redskins the last couple uh, off seasons at his athletic training facility in Houston. And that's where his good friend and uh, teammate right now, Trent Williams, who actually is injured, but you know, they, they've, they've been close friends ever since their Oklahoma days. I think it just from the start when he worked out here to when he joined this team, it felt a lot more comfortable for him. And I think the, the coaching staff's done a really nice job of really tailoring this run game to his strengths. And, and a lot of that has been, you know, some changes for him too. He's been doing a lot more out of the shotgun with Alex Smith beside him. That's not something that he normally did with Minnesota. And he's starting to get a little bit more of a handle on that, but you know, there, there's been some changes, obviously, and we'll get to that on the offensive line over the last week or two that has kind of thrown a little bit of a wrench into how the Redskins are going to attack this run game. But I think overall, I mean, he, he's still in just peak physical shape. I mean, if you ask anybody around the league and they look at him and they, they look at his workout, even that he had with the Redskins, I think people just really are, are marveling at what he's able to do at his age right now. And he really, he plans to keep playing for, I think he said recently, five years. So he wants to keep going as long as he possibly can. And, and I mean, certainly this season, it doesn't look like he's going to be stopped anytime soon. Well, good for him. That'd make him about 38 years old by the time he retires. I'd like to <laughs> see would. that myself. It would. I definitely want to get to the O-line, but first let's talk about Alex Smith. You mentioned him. He's having a, a pretty good season for Washington, not putting up always flashy numbers, but he's only thrown three interceptions this year. It seems to protect the ball well. What's been the key to his success in that system, and, and how much did they have to alter that offense to sort of fit Alex Smith? Yeah, I, I think it's been um, a bit of a, a, a different expectation, I think, for Redskins fans in general. You look at the way the offense has, has functioned the last few years under Kirk Cousins, and it, I mean, it really did rely on a lot of play action, a lot of big plays down the field. That just hasn't really been the case so far for this team. And part of that is, you know, the playmakers haven't uh, been available for a lot of this season, too. Paul Richardson just went on injured reserve a couple weeks ago with a shoulder. He had never really been the same, even going into training camp. Jameson Crowder has been out for five weeks now with an ankle injury. They, he, Alex Smith is just, he hasn't really had a lot of opportunities to, to really get on a great rapport with this receiving group. And so that that's kind of thrown a wrench into some of their plans. But I, I think, you know, he's still showing that he, he's the quarterback they thought he was. I mean, there's a very small, as you mentioned, a very small turnover margin. There, there's, there's a lot of smart decision-making. And that really goes into a lot of these victories is the turnover battles both on defense and then with with him protecting the football. A lot of the big issues with Kirk Cousins was fumbles too, and he hasn't fumbled this season. So that's a big part of this is how, how can he keep this offensive going with Adrian Peterson and, and make sure everything is just manageable. And, you know, he has that game manager title that a lot of people put on him. And he's kind of lived up to that in some ways this year. I think he's still really trying to push the envelope. And you saw a little bit in the Bucks game, he had some opportunities to throw the ball downfield, missed one, big one to tight end Vernon Davis, but there are some more things working in his favor. He's gotten some uh, bigger rapports with Maurice Harris and some of these guys that Michael Floyd, even wide receivers that came into the fold a little bit later this season. So there is still optimism that things can get on the right track. And then of course, I haven't even mentioned tight end Jordan Reed, but he's somebody that I, I think too, the Redskins coaches believe that there's, there's just going to be as soon a game where Jordan Reed becomes what you think he's going to be. And, 
you know, we all know Alex Smith had so much success with Travis Kelsey last year. So that's a connection he's still working on, too. So still a lot of improvement in the second half of the season. Uh, Jake, after that loss to Atlanta, I think the big storyline from that game was all the the season-ending injuries that Washington suffered in that game. It seems like this time of year injuries happen, but, uh, you know, that offensive line's really battered right now. You lost two guards in the loss to Atlanta and then another O-lineman in Sunday's win in Tampa. What does that offensive line look like right now, especially with some of the new players that have been added to the roster, and how much of a concern is it now moving forward? Well, uh, to answer your question, it looks very different uh, from the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, this is um, kind of felt like deja vu. Last year, the Redskins offensive line, I mean, just brutal, brutalized by injury. I mean, you look at almost everyone across the board had had struggles there um, injury-wise. And you really, this this Sunday, it's it's getting even thinner. You mentioned John Christian, uh, uh, backup rookie tackle. He He injured his MCL. He's going to be out for the season now. So, they just continue to get thinner and thinner. They signed three offensive linemen last week and um, in- included one of them, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Cooper, left guard in on, on Tampa. Um, so there's uh, there's a lot of plug and play going on right now. I think what you're looking for right now on Sunday, you know, left tackle Ty Inseki is going to be there. Still in for Trent Williams, who, uh, who's been battling a dislocated uh, thumb. He's, he had surgery, still has the cast on. It's probably unlikely he will play. So... They're looking at Ty Seki and then at left guard, Jonathan Cooper, Chase Rullier at center, Tony Bergstrom at right guard, and then over at right tackle, Morgan Moses, who did play against Tampa Bay, but even him still really battling through some injuries. He had an elbow earlier this year, and now he's got the knee injury, and that he was looking really stiff uh, earlier this week. So there's even question with him right now. They did sign Austin Howard as part of those three guys earlier last week. So he could potentially be the next backup to, to fill in. So it really is just a mishmash of guys right now. I think they were pretty impressed with how it all worked against Tampa. But uh, there is definitely some current concern there as the season goes forward. Yeah, and I imagine having a veteran quarterback and a veteran running back certainly helps uh, a young O-line or at least a, a new O-line that's still working to develop that chemistry. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think Adrian was pretty confident even last last week just going into the game that these guys would figure it out. Jonathan Cooper, who, who played at left guard, he you know, he, he was mentioning how last the Sunday before he was just on a flight going home to Arizona. I mean, football was not really on his mind too much. I know he had a couple of workouts here and there, but one week later he's starting on the offensive line for the Redskins on a first place team. It's just kind of a whirlwind week for him. And so I think this week maybe he'll get a little bit more settled and feel like he's a little bit more part of the team now that he's got a game under him. But you know, he's been a veteran guy. He's he's played in the league for a while now. And so I think some of these guys, it's not like they're fresh and brand new, but you know, it does take a little bit of time to get back to the uh, swing of things. Yeah. A familiar face that Texans fans will recognize. I I think Tony Bergstrom was here for a little bit, but even more familiar face, yeah. DJ Swearinger, uh, 2013 second-round pick. He's leading that defense with four interceptions. He's had to face a few former teams this year, too. So now he gets to face the Texans who drafted him. How has he evolved in his game? I feel like every time I see highlights from Washington's games, it's it's always Swearinger doing something or getting an interception. How much of a leader has he become on that defense, and how much has he evolved since since he got there? Well, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I think he was a leader on this team even before he played uh, a snap in training camp. I mean, this is a, a guy that's now in his second year with Washington, and he really has, has made it a, a point to say that he finally feels at home 
where, where he is in Washington. And I think he was funny. He mentioned now, you know, he is 2-0 and against his former teams this year, against the Cardinals and the Bucks last week. And he, he says this one against the Texans is going to be the biggest one for him. It's a big redemption game in some ways. And I think he always has been – he always has felt a little spurred by – what the Texans uh, did with him as, as a player. I think he never felt comfortable there playing some linebacker to start off early on in his career. And I think that's part of the reason why he's just starting to excel now is he's finally gotten the experience at safety that he's wanted over the last couple of years. And then he comes to Washington. He can play a little bit more inside the box. He has a little bit more freedom to roam around. And I think that's really been the biggest thing for him is just playing a position that he feels like he can make an impact both at the line of scrimmage and then, off playing off and in, in deeper into the secondary. And, you know, I, I think it certainly helps when uh, you get a guy like Haha Clinton Dix to your team, and he's been really familiar with him, and they have great chemistry and already starting to see that last week against the Bucks. So I think he's just finally feeling like this is where he wants to be, and that usually, when it comes to that, really bodes well for a player on the field when you're mentally comfortable and, and, and feeling like everything is where it needs to be the play is going to do much better on the field. Yeah, that big addition of HaHa Clinton Dix and that uh, Redskins defense has been forcing all these turnovers, even on Sunday, three turnovers in the final fourth quarter of the game. What's made it so opportunistic and what's made it so easy for them to force these takeaways, do you think? Well, I don't know if anything's ever easy. I mean, I, it looks easy. I, I look at, <laughs> it does. I mean, they, they, they do seem to be the most opportunistic defense right now. And I, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's like they, they give up 500 yards to the Bucks and they only give up three points. I mean, a lot of that came in the red zone and, you know, you look at Josh Norman, he finally started to get going. He got a second interception on Sunday. And, and then you look at some of the guys who have been stepping up. Quentin Dunbar has been out, but you see a guy like rookie cornerback Greg Stroman. He gets his first interception, first career one. And even guys like Ryan Anderson, Preston Smith, starting to, starting to finally get over the hump. And Ryan Anderson had that big punch out on Jaquiz Rogers. And that ball flew like 20 yards into the end zone. I think a lot of it is, just look, they, they know that when they're in the red zone, they are, it, it just feels like they're a better functioning team. They, they shorten the field. And I think they play a little bit more cushion in the middle of the field and kind of trying to stop the big plays. That's kind of been something that they have been burned by in the past this year. You look at the New Orleans game and even the Falcons game and some of those big explosive offenses have hurt them. So I think going into Tampa, they really made it a case to play a little bit farther off. Let's do our damage when we are in a more confined area of the field. And so that seems to be paying off. But really, the pass rush has been a big, big uh, help this year. And you look at their defensive line, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis up to seven and a half sacks now. And I think that that pressure really helps the secondary a lot. It's forcing a lot of quarterbacks out of the pocket and making off-balance throws, and that's been a big key for the turnover rate this year. Good stuff. Jake Kring Schreifels of Redskins.com. Jake, a pleasure talking to you and looking forward to seeing you up there on Sunday. Yes, likewise. Thanks so much for having me. All right, looking forward to it. Sunday's game, Washington, and then a three-game home stretch here for your Houston Texans. I really like the sound of a three-game home stretch. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but that Monday night game versus the Titans will be really exciting, especially depending on who wins that Titans-Colts game on Sunday as well. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. Like I said, iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher. Subscribe, leave a review, let me know what you think. We'll be back next week. Thanks, as always, for listening, and go Texans.